This is the Real Young Mom Podcast. Hello, hello, you guys, and welcome back to the Real Young Mom Podcast. If you're new here, this is your host, Ellie, and this is where we get down on all things young parenting. Now, this week's podcast has a very, very special guest, and I was so excited to record with this person because they have been such an amazing resource and safe place for me on their own podcast show. So this week we have... Abby Turing from the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast or the Badass Breastfeeder. And she hosts her show with co-host Diane Cassidy, who is an IBCLC. And both of these women have just been such an amazing voice for me in my entire breastfeeding journey. I will link their show in the show notes here for you guys to go check it out and listen. They have a variety of topics on things like breastfeeding, lip and tongue ties, co-sleeping, nursing aversion, weaning, sleep regressions. It's just a wealth of information and it's an awesome show that I have listened to religiously since I had my son. Now, Abby was a social worker before she became a breastfeeding advocate when she had her son, Jack, and she started the Badass Breastfeeding podcast after she started the Badass Breastfeeder, which was a group that came to be on Facebook. And that was nine years ago. And she's come such a long way. And the community that she has built for breastfeeders everywhere has just grown exponentially. And they're just There are thousands of women that are part of this community, and it's just so amazing to see how far she has come. She is a longtime breastfeeding advocate, and her co-host, Diane Cassidy, is an international board certified lactation consultant. So the show is incredibly informative and educational for people that have questions, but maybe don't have the resources or the tools to reach out to their own IBCLCs. We had such a fun time recording this episode and I was just ecstatic the entire time because it was like talking to a celebrity for me. You know, I've listened to every single one of their episodes and I was totally fangirling the whole time. I do want you guys to know that this is a conversation for everyone. So if you're a breastfeeder, if you're the parent of a breastfeeder, if you're the loved one of a breastfeeder, if you're the parent of a breastfeedie, this conversation is really and truly for every single person. We talk about advocacy, breastfeeding in public, formula companies, and so much more. So let's just get right into it. For me personally, you were such an advocate and every episode that I listened to was just validation that I needed to keep going because originally my goal was only like six months and he's going to be a year and a month old next week and we're still breastfeeding you know so nice and I you know really don't plan on stopping because I mean (laughs) he doesn't want to stop so no and I mean like once you get once you do all of that and you fight through all of that stuff like I had the same thing I was like well I want to breastfeed for a year 
But then when you get to a year after all of that, you're like, I worked way too hard to get here. Exactly. Just start like a year goes by in a flash and you're like, I'm not going to take this away now. You know, I went to go see an IBCLC when I was having all the trouble latching because I didn't give birth in a hospital. So there was no lactation consultant that just came Mm -hmm. to visit on my third day in the hospital. You know, we went home right afterwards. Or did you give birth in like a birthing center or? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it was like three in the morning. So there was no lactation consultant there at the time. They hadn't one that was in house, but I had to call and like make an appointment with her. Yeah. So it took days of me syringe feeding him because I physically could not have him latch. It was so painful. And yeah. And finally she was like, yeah, I I think he has a lip and a tongue tie. And then that started the whole, the whole Mm -hmm. journey. And it's funny because looking back now, I can't say, yeah, when he was 18 weeks old, that's when it got easy. And, you know, I don't remember when it was, but eventually it was like, he could latch anywhere. He could latch upside down, sideways, (laughs) like however he wants. So, but I'm excited to have you on so that you can really just make other young parents know that there is a way to do it and it's accessible to them and it doesn't have to be hard or difficult. And I really also want to put people onto your show because episodes like nursing aversion mm. and co-sleeping, the sleep regressions like are all questions that I had. And I, your show was a resource where I could find all of that and we still co-sleep. Mm-hmm. And so I just want other moms and parents my age to know that that's normal. And I have not friends, I'd say acquaintances, people that I knew in school that we fell out of touch, but still have each other on social media. And they've also had kids within the last year or two years. And I briefly spoke to two or three of them and they all told me that they tried to breastfeed, but something happened and then they had to stop Yeah, and they had to switch to formula. And every single time that I asked, Hey, you know, did you go see an IBCLC? What's that? Oh yeah. And if only they had been informed on what their options were, they could have gotten through and they could have, you know, pushed through the barrier and kept going but since they don't know, they never stood a chance. And I hope this will be really educational for, for like my listeners. So I guess where we'll start is tell us a little bit about how the Badass Breastfeeder came to be. But yeah, the Badass Breastfeeder was a total accident, a wonderful accident. I was a social worker working with children and families up until the day before I gave birth to to Jack, who was my first son. And I knew that I wanted to breastfeed. I didn't really know why. I was just like, this is something I want to do. And I was reading a little bit about it. And, you know, it was like, it's going to be hard. And I'm like, that's okay. I do hard things. Like I can, you know, I'll figure it out because people figure it out. Right. Like, I mean, it seems like whatever, this is a natural thing. So we'll just figure it out. Well, So then I had him and latched him on at the hospital. And the very first time I ever saw a baby latched to a boob was when Jack latched to my boob. 
So I had no idea what it was supposed to look like or what it was supposed to feel like or how you were supposed to hold it, you know, all of that. And I had been induced and they said, so because you were induced, your uh, milk is not coming in. You don't have enough milk, which is totally not true. That is not true. The body knows to make colostrum and begin the process when it births the placenta. And so there's no more placenta in my body. So it knew exactly what was going on. They were like, he's crying because he's hungry because you're not making enough milk. This is like freaking day one. Wow. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to give him formula for crying out loud. Like, so I gave him formula and then they were like, well, you know, just breastfeed for 20 minutes on each side and then give him some formula. Okay. Then they just sent us home. So I'm doing that. And then I'm like, what is supposed to happen here? Like, when do I stop using this formula? This is not what I wanted. And, And so I'm looking around on the internet. I'm asking Google, like, what is the problem here? How do I solve this issue? And, you know, a month or two goes by and I finally learn out that there's these things called lactation consultants. And I don't know, probably Facebook or something, some mom group or whatever. So I called and she's like, okay, you know, don't panic. Like we've seen this all the time. I'm going to help you. And she just really like talked me down. She talked me like exactly what I was going to do at each feeding for how many days. And it just stayed in touch with me and walked me all the way through it and weaned him off of formula, which was my goal. So I don't know, by like three months or something, we were exclusively breastfeeding I was planning to go back to work. I said, I'm not going back to work. I cannot get my head into that right now. And we just agreed that we could work that out with my husband staying employed and I would stay home. So, you know, breastfeeding is going good. And so a couple of months go by where I'm just like, what am I going to do? What am I, what am I doing? And I'm... That's about where I've been this whole past year. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's like, what do I do? And then I started like writing, I wrote my breastfeeding story. I started making friends with other breastfeeders and I started to just, you know, was kind of feeling my way around the stay at home thing. And then I posted a picture of myself breastfeeding at a park in a mommy group. And I did not know I had not been schooled yet on on, all the politics of this. (laughs) Yeah. And it just melted everyone down. So there was just as you can imagine, it was like, that's gross. How come you're not wearing a cover? You should do that at home, blah, blah, blah. And then other people were like, that's so wonderful. Thank you for sharing. You people need to shut up. And, you know, it was the big fight. And this was nine years ago. So, I mean, I was just walking into this and they kicked me out of the group and all of this. And so I was getting my hair done one day and I was telling my hairstylist who I've known for a very long time. She's done my hair forever. So I know her really well. And I'm telling her all these stories about parenting. And she's like, you should write a blog. And I was like, what? Like this was nine years ago. The only blogs were like travel blogs and right, yeah, yeah, food yeah. blogs. You know, remember those? It's like yep. people weren't. I'd never heard of any kind. I mean, I heard of blogging, but not related to like anything besides that. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, these are funny. You should write it down. And maybe that came first. And then the whole breastfeeding photo thing happened. And I was like, you know what? I am going to start that blog, and I'm going to make a Facebook page too. And I'm just going to flood it with breastfeeding pictures. And so I did. So I started the blog and I put my breastfeeding story up, started the Facebook page, started throwing pictures of myself up there. And other people started, you know, slowly submitting their own pictures. And we were just flooding, flooding, flooding the newsfeed with um, pictures. And then I posted my breastfeeding story on the page, too. And it was stunning to me how many people were like, oh, my God, the exact same thing happened to me. 
so many people. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, what is happening? Why is this happening so much? And so then, you know, I just started learning about like formula companies and again, like nursing in public, body politics and things like that. And I kind of found myself in this position of an advocate. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I'm a social worker. I know how to do this. Yeah. Like, wait, this is pretty cool. It's like kind of the same thing, just a different group of people. So that's how it all started. And then it all just kind of unfolded from there. And then here we are. You're here. Now I'm on your podcast. Yes. Yeah. So you're like I was telling you earlier before we technically started recording your podcast. When I found it, it was the holy grail of everything that I needed to hear. and. I just think it's so awesome that you were able to start this community from from a photo, from just saying, I'm doing this and I feel in my heart that this is what I should be doing. And then everybody else is like, oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, right. (laughs) And and I think especially when you're younger, like a younger parent, you kind of just follow what your parents tell you or what your older family members tell you because they're the only ones that have kids. And I mean, especially for me, breastfeeding was never a question for me. I knew that it was the best way to give my baby the nutrients that he needed and to make sure his microbiome was started off right and so on and so forth. And it was just never a question whether I would do formula or not. And everybody just makes it seem like, oh, well, this is the most natural thing that you'll ever do. You're going to pop the baby out and you're going to put him on the boob and everything will be right in the world. And that so was not the case for me. And it wasn't until I found your podcast that I realized it was so not the case for so many other people. And had I not reached out to an IBCLC to fix our problems, I easily would not have even made it to six months. And that's what a lot of other moms I think are facing is just not having the knowledge to know that when things hurt, when you're bleeding, when the latch isn't right, then there's a way to fix it. It's not, well, this is it. Breastfeeding's not for us. And it's not always easy either. And I think that's what puts a lot of people off, which is really, really sad. When I listened to your episode on, I think there was some new science that made a formula that was like close to breast. uh Am I right? Yes. Yes. And you guys were talking about it and you started talking about the formula companies and what their whole scheme is. And I was like, holy shit. This is insane. And then I started thinking, why? I I don't understand. (laughs) We have to feed the babies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You have to feed the babies, right? You want your baby to survive. So if you're not breastfeeding, then you're paying a ridiculous amount of money to keep your baby alive. And yeah, it seems like it shouldn't be that way, right? Yeah. It just, it blew my mind. And then I started thinking, well, why isn't everyone breastfeeding then? And then I remembered how it was for me in the beginning. And I was like, this is why people aren't breastfeeding because there's nobody here to help them. There's nobody here to tell them, 
Hey, like you need to go see a lactation consultant or your baby may have a lip or a tongue tie, which was, you know, our case. Yeah. I mean, we live in capitalism, right? I mean, capitalism runs this country and there's no money to be made on breastfeeding. And, you know, formula companies and these companies are trillion dollar companies. And they are that way because they are able to swoop in at a parent's most vulnerable time while they're trying to figure out this breastfeeding and say like, hey, look, you know, it's really hard, right? It's really hard. And also your life is going to have to change so much and you're going to have to do all these things. And your milk probably doesn't have like all the fat that it needs. And plus after six months, it needs to have like more fat than your milk is making. And so, you know, you can just use our product and everything will be fine. And so everything that we really believe about breastfeeding that is wrong really has originated from the marketing schemes of these companies. And I'd like to say that I do believe that formula is necessary. I do believe that formula is actually the right choice for some people. I believe in it so much that I think that formula should be free. I agree. To people that need it, they should not have to pay for it. It should not be a product that you're selling in order to keep babies alive. Like you said, it shouldn't just be like who can afford it can keep their baby alive. Exactly. When they're in you know special circumstances. And there's also communities like the black community and indigenous communities where formula companies come in twice as hard. Yeah. You know, to sell their product and get these people to not breastfeed because, you know, that's how they make money. This is how they make money. It's just the bottom line. That's what it is. Yeah. Your episode on the black disparities and breastfeeding mm -hmm. is a great resource. If you guys are interested in that, please go give it a listen because it is a great episode and it opens your eyes to a lot of things that you may have never considered about the black community and breastfeeding. Yeah. So on one hand, we have formula is necessary and it is the right choice for some people. However, most people and the statistics are available somewhere, you know, it's something like 75 or 80 percent of people try to breastfeed, want to breastfeed. And by six months, it's something like 30 percent of people are still going. And this is not an accident. You know, I mean, there is absolutely no support for people. Breastfeeding is natural. It is all of these things, but it is learned. Baby needs to learn. You need to learn. And we used to live in, you know, village settings where people, the elders were all breastfeeding and it was just passed down and you saw it everywhere. We live in this world now where you don't see it. You don't. And that seeing it is very important to being able to figure it out. I mean, we know this from studying humans and other mammals. Be actually seeing breastfeeding increases, you know, your ability and your success at breastfeeding like very much astronomically. Right. Um, and so we don't see it and we don't, we don't have the support. And so it is just no surprise that, you know, that when you're in the hospital, especially hospitals, you know, they have relationships with these companies. They get so much money from these companies to, to push their to, formula, to push the, to push their product. Right. So then it's like, well, you know, we do have a lactation consultant somewhere. I don't know where she is right now. Right. You know, like when, and it's not, it's not a necessity. It's not like, oh, you must see this lactation consultant. So if you want to breastfeed, we'll absolutely send, you know, sending her to every room to get everybody set up. That's not at all how it goes. And then you have, so people run into problems. You're most likely going to run into problems when you've trying to figure something out that you've never done before. And so then everyone around you, including your medical doctors and everyone, you know, family too, are just like, well, whatever, just use formula. It's no big deal. You can't, you're having problems. It's no big deal. Just use formula. I mean, breastfeeding is just disposable. 
It's just right. seen as whatever. We'll just throw it away and get formula. It's no big deal. It's no, there's no attention to what that does to a person's body to wean so quickly. No attention to someone's feelings about that. Right. And it's like you always say, breastfeeding is so much more than food. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So much more than food. And it's so it's not just that. And I haven't experienced specifically nursing aversion, but I am kind of getting to that point where he's always pinching me and now he mm. has teeth and he's biting me. And it's like sometimes I think about, okay, I wonder when he's gonna wean. And then the more I think about it, the more I kind of get sad. I think about it all the time. I feel like I would feel relieved to finally have my boobs back. You know, Mm -hmm. my body will finally belong to me again. But it's also I feel sad about it because I know we'll be kind of missing that connection and not necessarily the connection, but that I still feed him to sleep. He can't get to sleep unless I'm feeding him. And the snuggles and those little milky eye rolls. And it's so much more than food. It's so much more. And in the beginning, I didn't realize that because it was so hard to get him to latch. But if you just push through that little bit of difficulty in the beginning, there's so many benefits. Like it's astronomical, the amount of benefits that there are. And I think people don't really believe that, which is weird because Science has proven it time and time again. Like we've been doing this since the beginning of time, you know, and it's like you say, there are some people who formula is a necessity and they're just unable to breastfeed, whatever the case may be. They don't have the resources. They don't have the tools. But if you can, it's so good for your baby. Yeah, I mean, there, you know, the, the breast milk is designed by your body to be the first food of your child. And we can and we should try to make formula better. But when you decide not to breastfeed, which is absolutely within your rights, you know, there are some known risks that come with not providing that breast milk from birth for as long as possible. And just things like ear infections. And I mean, I don't even have it all at my fingertips right now. I should, but. you know, including later childhood diseases and stuff have been linked to not breastfeeding. So breast milk is the, what's the biological norm. It is what your baby's body expects to have. It's part of the process of them developing into bigger humans. So yeah, I mean, it is just the norm. It is what your body, baby's body expects to have. It is the biological norm. And so there are risks when you choose not to. And and many people make that totally informed choice, like you said, even with not being able to, but also not wanting to. I mean, there are people that have like sexual trauma in their history and Mm -hmm. that is just not an option for them. They decide it's not an option and that they need to have an alternative or people that have had mastectomies, you know, they need to have an alternative too. And I think we have to understand that we live in this culture now where we don't have a lot of support. We don't have a real tight community. You know, people are very isolated Yes, and people are getting a lot of information from ads, from their doctors who are getting information from formula companies and stuff. And the information is not correct. The information is wrong. And so people have the wrong information, not just no information, but also then they get the wrong information. And that makes people wean as well before they're ready. And post-winning depression is totally, it's a thing. 
that, that we have to we have to pay attention to that. As you were saying, you're going to miss it. And you feel like this is such a wonderful thing. I mean, it is part of your relationship. Once you start a breastfeeding relationship, that is part of your relationship. It's a thing that's happening in your body. It's a thing that's happening in your baby's body. And, you know, it is not disposable. Right. It does not just go away overnight when somebody tells you to just throw it away. Yeah. When you were talking earlier about Facebook mom groups, just more on the conversation of, of weaning. When my son had a growth spurt at four months, as most babies do around that time, I, of course, listened to the episode on sleep regression. Yeah. And <laughs> I briefly decided to join a sleep training support group because I was so at my wits end because mm-hmm. we co-slept. I, I didn't know what to do. And I was like, well, maybe maybe should we just sleep train? worst idea ever to join the mom group because (laughs) as soon as I joined, I start, you know, scrolling through the posts and you have no idea how many posts I saw with babies that were six months and under and their mom saying, can I start night weaning now? My baby won't sleep through the night. And I know they're not hungry. They just want comfort. So how do I start night weaning? And I wanted to scream. I wanted to comment on every single post. Night weaning is not going to stop your baby from waking up in the middle of the night. And it's like, where are these parents getting this information from? And nine times out of 10, it'll be my pediatrician said. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) it's insane to me because where do you go when you need information about your baby's health and what's okay to do in regards to your baby. And is this safe to do with my baby? And a lot of times it's pediatricians that are telling these parents this incredibly outdated information. Mm -hmm. Like my mother-in-law told me when my son was about six months old, she said, you know, when Lauren, my partner was six months old, the doctor told us to just, you got to just let him cry it out. You know, you have to let him cry it out so he can go back to sleep. And Mm -hmm. she did it because that's what the doctor told her to do. Of course. And she's, she's just telling me, Oh, and I hated it. And your father-in-law had to hold me down so that I wouldn't run across the house (laughs) to go get him. And what are you going to say? You trust your doctor or doctors in general, because they're far more educated than you are in the field of medical advice. And so there's all these parents out here that are getting this advice from their doctors and their doctors don't know what the hell they're talking about. And my pediatrician at my son's one year well check just a couple weeks ago says to me, all right, mom, well, he's a year old. He says, you need to start giving him cow's milk because he, oh he needs the yeah. calcium. So you got to make sure he's getting the cow's milk. And I didn't even bother because I've been trying to switch pediatricians for a while now, trying to find a better one. Because when we brought my son in a few days after he was born to get his checkup, and I told the pediatrician that the midwife said he might have a tongue tie, he gestured to his crotch and said, yeah, midwives should just stick to their own organs. And I was like, first, oh my God, that makes sense. Second, you're a misogynistic asshole. And oh my God. Yeah. So this is the type of stuff that parents are facing. Like it's discouraging. Yeah. I I just, it's so hard to navigate because again, 
we trust our doctors, we trust the medical community, and this is the information that they're giving to young parents about breastfeeding and about what the baby needs. Right. I, I remember one of those those mom groups and I saw a post from someone that I knew and she said she was in the living room and she was doing cry it out and the baby was crying in the other room and she was posting on Facebook. She was like, this is horrible. Like, how long do I let him cry? I don't know what to do. I'm crying myself. I don't know. You know, and you want to just say, like, go Go in there, lay down, latch them on and take a nap. Yeah. But but we're told laying down next to your baby in a bed, you know, will smother them, which is not true. You know, we're told that answering your baby's cries will spoil them. That's not true. You know, we're told all of these things. We back parents into these impossible corners with terrible information and the easy way out, which it's not always easy to lay down and take a nap. I mean, no, (laughs) but sometimes it is, you know, sometimes you can do that because this is how people have always lived. People have always been laying down next to their babies, breastfeeding them to sleep and getting more sleep than trying to get them to sleep on their own or trying to, this is not how humans are. Human babies don't know how to sleep on their own. And it's not because they're spoiled. It's not because they're needy. It's not because you're giving into them. It's not because you are a pushover. It's because this is a baby. Your body is the only environment that this baby is adapted to. And that is perfectly normal. It's not dysfunctional. It's not anything that your doctor is telling you. This is a completely and perfectly normal for the human species. And, you know, laying down and taking a nap in the middle of the day, both of your babies sleeping on the bed is not lazy. It's not dangerous. It is what you are supposed to be doing at this stage in you and your child's life. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because about 45 minutes before we got on this call, guess what I did? I laid down with my son and I put him to sleep in our bed at the breast. And guess what he's still doing? Sleeping in bed. It's so wonderful. It is. And it's not to say that it's always that easy because right now he's going through, I guess he might be going through another leap or maybe he's just trying to catch up on sleep or he's having a hard time sleeping, but I have gotten a collective, maybe 15 hours of sleep the last three days. He's been sleeping like crap and we sleep in the same bed. So he's up constantly this morning. He woke up at 2 AM. Didn't go back to bed till 5:45. His sleep schedule is all screwed up, but it's not always easy, but it is safe. If you're yeah, doing let me it tell right. You, right. I, let me tell you, I have a nine-year-old who all week has been having trouble sleeping. He's been waking up in the middle of the night. He's been having trouble going to sleep. He's been tired during the day. We've all been exhausted during the day. He's nine. Yeah. You know, people have trouble sleeping sometimes. It's not because they're being breastfed. It's not because you're doing something wrong or you're creating bad habits or you're any of these things. This is humans don't generally sleep for giant blocks of hours at a time. Right. And I feel like you're always referencing that babies don't sleep through the night. Also, if your baby goes to bed at seven and wakes up at whatever, five o'clock, that's still a full night of sleep. That is a really long time for a baby to sleep. Right. Like you are the lucky one. Right. Exactly. So it's normal. And people are just like, they have this idea that babies are supposed to sleep through the night. And if they're not sleeping through the night, then they just need to learn to put themselves back to sleep. 
Yeah, we have this obsession with the 40 hour work week. And this is where it all all came from is, you know, parents had to go to work. We started with this nine to five thing Monday through Friday and parents do need to get up and go to work. And it's true. And so when the baby is kind of not baby doesn't care, the baby's like, yeah, whatever. 40 hour work week. That's not even a natural thing. They're just going about their business. But then we're like, God, you're getting in the way you're interfering with like my, you know, my schedule. And so I brought you, know, you here, but you're messing me up. Right. I brought you to here to be a part of my schedule, not your schedule. So, you know, I need you to sleep from not seven to five. I need you to sleep from nine to eight. Well, baby doesn't give a crap about that. So, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult. Like I said, we put people into impossible situations. Your baby can only do certain things. And we make parents go back to work at, you know, a ungodly early amount of time postpartum and we give no resources at all beyond breastfeeding or any kind of resources you know or support in the postpartum time and and then it's like well you got to get up and go to work and you know if you don't then you're lazy and if you're not right all these things it's impossible it is really it's a very difficult time to be parenting it really is it really is and especially i have only been a parent in in the throes of a pandemic oh yeah so i don't even know really i mean we i've only had to breastfeed in public maybe three times this whole year and no one has dared <laughs> to tell me to cover up. Nobody has given me a sideways glance. So I really haven't personally experienced what it's like to breastfeed in public and have somebody be unsupportive of me doing that. And I would love if you could just talk a little bit about how once this is all over, how to maybe better approach the situation when you do have somebody that is being unsupportive of you breastfeeding in public. Because I did recently listen to you guys' episode about breastfeeding laws. Yeah. And that was super, super interesting. And I know that's that's kind of goes hand in hand with breastfeeding in public. So if you could touch a little bit on that for my listeners. Yeah. So what I hate the most is when people say breastfeeding is legal in all 50 states, because I'm like up yours about Mm -hmm. telling me that breastfeeding is legal. Breastfeeding is just simply a biological function. And you can't tell me that it's legal or illegal to do. Now, what that actually means is that all 50 states now have a written statement that, you know, breastfeeding shall be separated from indecent exposure or whatever. Which is ridiculous. Which is totally ridiculous to begin with that breasts are indecent exposure and that we even have like laws and bans around exposing your boobs, which I, it's just mind boggling and infuriating. But yeah, so I mean, you are allowed to breastfeed wherever you are, if you are otherwise allowed to be there is how I like to say it and how a lot of the laws say it. If you are otherwise allowed to be there, you are allowed to breastfeed. But we run into problems with this, right? Because our bodies are so sexualized. Right. Breasts are so over, they're like fetishized. It's over Mm -hmm. the whole sexualization, even more. And then we see babies attached to them and it's just like, oh my God, that is just so wrong and it's so not right. Because again, we see boobs all the time, but not for their natural function. So then people get all weirded out about it. So you have situations where people will say, well, you're bothering the other customers in this restaurant. So you need to cover up or Or there are kids here. 
Yeah. They're they're children. <laughs> you, we can't let children see, you know, children eating. It's really insane. My personal experience is I've not had a giant, a large situation. I mean, there was a situation at my local post office where the employees were kind of looking at me and laughing at me, but I just kind of stood there and, you know, stared back at them. What are you going to do? Yeah. And then there was a situation where I was actually at a baby show, like a big baby show in Las Vegas, the land of boobs. And I was walking through while I was nursing and one of the security guards goes, oh, you need to go do that in the nursing room over there. And I said, like, hell I do and kept walking, you know, so people cannot make you move to another location. They cannot make you cover up. People do not have this control over you. So my advice is always to just smile and nod or we're comfortable right here or, you know, leave us alone. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. I think it's important for parents to know or for moms to know that people can't make you cover up. They can't make you go somewhere. No. You know, if you're comfortable where you are and your baby is hungry, you can feed them wherever you please to feed your child. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't know that. No. And some things, you know, one thing that does help people is because all the states now have, like I said, the little statement about breastfeeding in public. If you go, you can go to, I don't even know what the website is. There's like, you know, government websites that have the I list. Think you have it in your show notes. It's in our show notes. And, yeah, we and can I'll copy it, it and put it in these show notes. Great. Yeah. So click that in, in the show notes and you can go down to your state and just click, you know, print out your state's breastfeeding laws. And if anyone ever has, is giving you an issue and they won't back off or whatever, you can say, Hey, here, look, maybe you should educate yourself on right. what the breastfeeding laws are here in the state and how I'm protected. And so that makes, I, I think that just having that little printed piece of paper and put it in your wallet, may, you will probably never need it. You will probably never have a problem. But if you do, just having that with you can sometimes really make all the difference of making people feel a little bit more like they've got a little backup, they've got something up their sleeve. Right. It's important to advocate for yourself too. You know, I feel like there aren't, at least from what I see, there aren't very many breastfeeding advocates out there openly on a large platform like you are, which is kind of sad, but you have to advocate for yourself too. If this is something that you feel strongly about, I mean, for me, breastfeeding is one of the most empowering things that I've ever done. And if I was um, recently at Gatorland and I had to feed my son in the middle of a show mm. and the people in front of me just kept looking back and looking back and looking mm. back. And I was like, I can't with the, with the side eyed glances. And I, I almost kind of like wanted them to say something so that I could be like, well, let me tell you something about breastfeeding. It, it's almost like when you see people giving you those judgy glances, you almost want them to question you so that you can educate them so that they don't go and do it to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's and I, I yeah. And I think it's really important that you say that. And especially to people who are listening to your podcast, as you were saying that it's for younger moms and there are younger moms right. listening, you know, all of us, but especially you are because you're younger and out there and the breastfeeding in public and all that, you guys are going to be the ones who are, continuing this push and making this hopefully something that further parents down the line aren't dealing with as much. 
Right. This breastfeeding movement has started. It's big, you know, and it's growing and it's got momentum and we need to not lose that momentum. It needs to continue to grow and push. And we need all of the people that can and are comfortable enough because there are people who are just really uncomfortable breastfeeding in public. And we have to understand that that is just a thing. Oh, absolutely. And if it's too uncomfortable for you, or you really need to use a cover, then absolutely do that. And, you know, just be out there and let people see it. Let Because the more that people see it, the less it's going to become a big deal. And the more that people will be kind of outnumbered or educated on right. all of that. So this is a really important thing to be doing. I know it's hard right now because we're in the pandemic and really nobody's right. out there. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for people that are listening that are not breastfeeding or are partners of a breastfeeder or just family members, or if you have a loved one that's a breastfeeder, there's so many ways that you can support that loved one. You know, the, the big one for me is when I'm sitting on the couch breastfeeding. Hey, can I fill up your water bottle? Hey, do you need some snacks? Do you need this? Do you need that? That's a really personal way to support. Yeah. <laughs> but really, what are some ways that some loved ones can support their badass breastfeeders? Well, I agree with the with the personal stuff and the when you sit down, because I think it's a rule that when you're breastfeeding, you're going to sit down and it's always going to be like one or two feet away from like your phone and your water and the stuff that you needed. So make sure you can bring that over. You know, people, especially early on, generally aren't working yet. And it's really hard when if your partner's at work and you are, you know, trying to kind of keep the house clean and try to not make the person who's caring for the baby all day do that you know yeah that's a big one take the garbage out put the dishes in the dishwasher i always tell people people don't like this because it's like you know not environmentally friendly but i really truly believe it's okay for the first couple of months get some paper plates and some plastic silverware oh, yeah. or whatever and just make it easier for yourself because the first couple of months or whatever are going to be absolute madness and so try to as much as you can take that pressure off of yourself and Get some one-handed meals. If you're going to go to work all day and your partner's home with the baby, make a sandwich and put it in the refrigerator so that they don't have to make it. Or, you know, make their coffee and an extra cup of coffee in the refrigerator so that they can just microwave it later. Well, like you would plan for your kids to go to school. You'd make their lunch and their snacks. You can do that for your partner before you leave. And then we had this in my family. I was breastfeeding. And then at some point I started to kind of learn about breastfeeding beyond infancy and breastfeeding, you know, toddlers and stuff like that. And my husband was like, really, you're going to do that? And I was like, I don't know. I think like, I think I will. Cause I don't really, you know, this is so new to us. And now it's like no brainer, but then it was new to us. You know, we're like, Oh my God, toddlers breastfeed. That's so weird. You never see that. And he's like, so you think you're going to do that? And I was like, yeah, I think I am. He's like, you know, wow. You could tell he was kind of just like, wow, that's kind of weird. And I think that if the person who is doing the breastfeeding says that they want to do something, take a moment to like educate yourself about that. You know, instead of going, no, because you, I hear this a lot. I hear partners say like, no, you need to wean by a year. You need to, you can't. And it's like, who's, who's making the decisions here? The decisions about the breastfeeding are going to be between the breastfeeder and the breastfeedee. You know, that is all. And so understand your place, too, that these decisions are coming from the person who's doing it. And if they're, if they're making the decision, then if you have a question, if you have some kind of concern about it, then educate yourself in that area before you start kind of disagreeing or arguing. I think we have to understand that we don't know everything about, you know, what goes on in the world of breastfeeding or in the world of co-sleeping. This is another thing, too. I want this baby out of my bed. You shouldn't be doing that. That baby shouldn't be in your bed. You know, that kind of thing. 
How about instead of saying that, you just kind of look into it a little. Right. And, you know, yeah, I think that those are the big ways, you know, understand who's making the decisions and understand your role. My boobs, my boundaries. Yeah. Basically. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Okay. I'm so excited that we got to do this. So if you could go ahead and tell my listeners where they can find you and connect with you. Well, I'm the badass breastfeeder, thebadassbreastfeeder.com, and it's the badass breastfeeder on Instagram and on Facebook. And then there's the badass breastfeeding podcast, which is badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com. And then Diane Cassidy has. Yes. And Diane I don't remember Cassidy. what her, what is her Instagram? Uh, it's like uh, Diane Cassidy. Diane O. Cassidy. Yeah. Diane O. Cassidy. And, and so she's the, that. yeah, thank you. She's the co-host of the, of the podcast. And uh, yeah. Thank you again to Abby Turing from the Badass Best Feeding Podcast. It was such a pleasure to have her on the show. And I hope that you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. As always, please give us a like and a share on social media. And if you feel so inclined, give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else that you listen to the podcast. Thanks again. And we'll see you back here next week. Bye. Bye.